The following program was made possible by the generosity of those who have determined to hold fast to the true Roman Catholic religion, as expounded by the Roman Catholic Church before the disasters of Vatican II and the so-called New Mass. Welcome to What Catholics Believe. This is a short segment, a little commentary on some recent event. I'd like to do these once in a while because they have a certain catechetical value and I think a certain apologetic value too. Now, recently, a number of our parishioners in Cleveland, some church members at St. Teresa of the Child Jesus, were standing curbside praying the rosary outside an abortion, uh, abortion chamber. And uh, some fellow drove up, stopped his car for a moment, and yelled out the window at them. <clears throat> well, God uh, decided that his own sh son should die, so we can kill our children too. And he drove away. Well, it was a, an atrocious thing to say, certainly blasphemous. And it was meant to be, clearly, meant to be shocking and uh, meant to be confrontational, uh, certainly uh, a very hateful voice there, although I wouldn't call it a hate crime. Uh, it would be a sin against God, no doubt about it. And I think that's why everyone was hurt by it, not because they were offended, but because God was offended. And uh, they love God, and they do not want him to be offended by such, uh, such things. But uh, I think it's a good idea for us to stop for a minute and to ponder what this man said. <clears throat> because at some time in life, if we do undertake a defense of our faith and a defense of the uh, unborn children, we're going to hear such uh, witless statements, uh, ignorant statements, uh, malicious statements, and we should know uh, what what is the truth behind <clears throat> the uh, the accusations they're making, the charges they're making, the attacks. Uh, as Catholics, we know that what the man said is complete nonsense. Um, and why is that? Well, because the redemption uh, that our Lord won for us on the cross uh, was actually, in a sense, a, a twofold. It had two major aspects to it because our Lord died on the cross for a primary reason and a secondary reason. And our Lord's uh, primary reason for uh, suffering and dying for us, for uh, us on the cross, the primary reason was to make reparation to the Father. Our Lord is motivated by love, and of course his greatest love as the Divine Son is for his Divine Father, the Eternal Father, um, as uh, begotten his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, from all eternity, the Divine Person whom we know as the second person of the Blessed Trinity, has an infinitely powerful love for his Father, and the Father has an infinitely powerful love for his Son. And because of that great love, the primary purpose of our Lord to become incarnate and to uh, offer a sacrifice of obedience to the Father was to <clears throat> repair the insult caused by the creature, man's offense against 
his infinitely good creator. Now, our Lord, as a divine person, could offer anything, any, any suffering, any inconvenience, uh, and offer that with an infinite love. That meant that uh, in order to repair the sin of man, or even the sin of all man, the sins of all mankind, our Lord, because of his dignity, is the Son of God, infinitely good and infinitely loving person, could have offered anything at all. If our Lord had so much had suffered uh, a momentary pang of hunger, <clears throat> if our Lord had suffered any, any heat or cold or fatigue, if our Lord could have suffered uh, one insult here on earth, or uh, if, if our Lord could have stubbed his toe on, on the rock, because uh, the psalm speaks of uh, the angels bearing him up lest he dash his foot against a stone. If our Lord would have suffered any one of these things and offered it to his Father in reparation for the sins of mankind, <clears throat> it would have been more than adequate to make reparation for the sins of this world and a million worlds, just because of who he is, the Son of God. So it wasn't the Father and reparation to the Father that required our Lord to suffer so much. Uh, as I say, anything that the Divine Son offered his Divine Father in reparation would have been worth more than the sins cost for all the, all the world, or an infinite number of worlds. We are the ones who required our Lord to go to the extreme of suffering. Our Lord's secondary purpose uh, for suffering on the cross was to not only redeem us by paying the price of our sins, <clears throat> our Lord's secondary purpose in going to the cross and embracing all of the suffering associated with it was to move us to repentance so that we could not only be redeemed, but so that we could be saved. As St. Augustine pointed out, our Lord redeemed us without our cooperation, but he cannot save us or will not save us without our cooperation. And it was in order to gain our cooperation that our Lord suffered so terribly. Because our Lord knows very well how hard-headed and how hard-hearted we are. He knows spiritually what imbeciles we are. St. Paul uses the expression, actually. Uh, and so it is our salvation that made it necessary for our Lord to suffer so much. You see, our Lord had to persuade us to repent of our sins. And in order to persuade us to repent of our sins, our Lord had to show us a number of things. The first thing he had to show us was how great, how great his love is for us. And in order to show us how great his love is for us, he was willing to suffer so terribly. As it were, as a plea to us to understand, to acknowledge, to accept his great love. 
to accept the fact of his great love for us. Uh, Our Lord suffered so much for us in order to make us understand how terrible sin is, how awful it is, and how terrible the consequences of sin are. Our Lord suffered for us because he wanted us to understand how horrible hell is. And when he came to suffer to save us from it, he wanted us to understand the seriousness of what he was doing on the cross. He wanted us also to understand how wonderful heaven is. Hell we can envision, in a sense, we can smell, we can almost taste hell, we can uh, we know what it is to feel a burning fire. We know the things that go into the paint of sense of hell. Uh, but we do not know uh, or understand the joys of heaven. In the abstract, we can have them explained to us. But they cannot enter into the mind of man, as St. Paul says, because the mind of man is simply too limited to grasp What is the joy of heaven? Everlasting life, a union with God that is so intimate that it is simply incomprehensible to a human being in this life. And so our Lord wanted us to understand that he knows what heaven is. He knows it very well. He knows it as God knows it. Not only is in, in his humanity with the beatific vision, but as he knows it even as God. He knows that it's, it's so wonderful, so splendid, so magnificent, so delightful, that it is worth whatever sufferings or pains we can suffer here. Our Lord wanted to make it very clear to us that even though we cannot grasp the beauty of heaven, that he does, and he is testifying to us by all of his suffering that heaven is worth all of that. Our, our Lord is telling us that heaven is worth so much that he would be willing to suffer so much to enable us to have the possibility of having this eternal life. All of this our Lord had to teach us to try to persuade us to want to be saved. And uh, so it is that even from the cross, our Lord was willing, as it were, to suffer what it felt like to be in hell. Our Lord was willing to suffer what it felt like for a soul to be in hell. He was willing to endure that, to experience that, so that you and I would never have to know that terrible anguish. Our Lord took all this upon himself because our salvation required it. We demanded it up so that we would be willing to be saved and accept the graces of our salvation and cooperate with them. Now, it wasn't the Eternal Father who required his Son to die as he did. Um, The Eternal Father would have been quote-unquote, satisfied with even a slight pain or inconvenience of his own divine son offered for us. Now it is we 
hard-hearted as we are and hard-headed as we are, we who required such suffering to move us to want to be saved. We need to be straight up and understand that. So if some poor, lost individual sometimes decides to come up and spit in our face as uh, long ago uh, they spat in our, our Lord's faces. Our Lord's face decides to spit out a blasphemy at us that you and I uh, can have the grace, uh, the, the, the comfort, the, the confidence to be able to uh, not react in rage or in selfish indignation, uh, but can rather uh, simply in a very direct and uh, simple way uh, try to explain the truth. Uh, whether or not uh, someone who challenges us in that regard would be willing to listen, that is not something you and I can control. But God forbid that anyone should be either that individual who's challenging us, challenging God, or others who are standing around. Perhaps Sunday, your own children, your brothers, sisters, friends, relatives, or even just strangers who witness this who are willing to hear what you have to say. God forbid that they never hear it because you're not willing to say it. You don't know what to say. Well, we don't want that to be the reason that the truth is not told because we are not able to tell it at a time like that. So I hope these little sessions, uh, maybe 15 minutes or so, uh, when I talk about such an incident, incident excuse me, might be of some help. And um, I ask you to uh, pray for this poor, deluded individual in his misery um, that whoever he is, God knows who he is, that uh, someday he may learn the foolishness of what he said, repent of it, and actually uh, find the grace, the grace given to him, uh, to love our Lord and to accept our Lord's love for him. Well, may God bless you.